In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... to you this week by a number we can talk about. Welcome into episode 68 of the Gospel Friends. I'm Chase, a.k.a. Captain Crunchy. I am Emmanuel, a.k.a. The General. And I am, why not, it's late and I'm tired, Narco Nick. Narco Nick, <laughs> I hope you picked up on my crime tip from the last episode and uh, <laughs> that you are living well with that. Uh, no comment. That's probably my the lawyer right would advise say. me not respond at this time. Get yeah. on your lawyer, well, gentlemen. <laughs> don't incriminate yourself. There you it, go. I can say this: it does not feel like an entire week since we last sat at this table and recorded with uh, our good buddy Nathan Martin. Well, look, time flies when you're with good friends. Indeed, it or does. Doesn't or something? I don't know. Something like that. Well, unfortunately, with David suspended for yet another week for conduct on becoming a podcast host, <laughs> we don't have anything in our notes in the section between the game and the introduction, so we can either kind of stumble around here or go straight way into the game. What do you think? I think it's time to play the game, but without sound effects. So, Emmanuel. Why don't we have sound effects anymore, by the way? Okay, so... <laughs> Did, did our budget for the podcast drop precipitously? Well, it wasn't an issue of the budget dropping. It is an issue of available channels on the mixer board. And when they're, um, the mixer we are using, when there are four of us, um, there is no room to have the sound effects pumped in uh, with our current arrangement. Okay. Uh, they could be added in post. However, um, yeah, I just don't take the time to add it in post. No. Um, yeah. Hey, speaking of budget, I need to get a couple of T-shirts from you. One okay. I will uh, I will mail to Chris Studdard. We need to find Chris. out his size, and, and one I uh, understand we have a uh, a box of cereal heading to us straight away awesome. from the great state of Hungary, which I mean state in the sense of country, the great yep, country gotcha. of Hungary, uh, via our good buddy Josh Armstrong. And although he has not asked for any payment in return, I think Hungarian cereal warrants the delivery of a free Gospel Friends t-shirt. You know who was from Hungary? Um, Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Nick got worried. I used to watch this show when I was a kid. Okay, tell me. Who was Zsa Gabor. You know what? That's right. She sure was. That's the only thing I know about Hungary. Do you know who was not from Hungary? Al Hrabowski, a.k.a. the Mad Hungarian. That sounds sounds (laughs) Polish. Yep. Are we back to wrestling references? No, he was actually a baseball player. Oh, wow. um, And he was called the Mad Hungarian, presumably because he looked like a Hungarian, but he was, in fact, born in Oakland, California. (laughs) So there you go. Okay, hey, we didn't have any banter written out. We just kind of made our own. In your face, suspended David. We can do this without you. <laughs> you know what else is good about Hungary? Saying I, Budapest. Budapest is one of the best words ever. That is just a, just fun to say. It is fun. Slightly naughty in our language, but just is it really? Well, you know, 
It kind of sounds like other words, <laughs> but it's just fun to say. As you say, naughty or not, Budapest is a, is a fantastic word to say. Say it tonight, people. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So about that game, Emmanuel. Let's, let's do the game. We're <laughs> okay. floundering a little bit. Okay. Here oh, no. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, perpetually 12 over here. Yeah. And it's, well. it, it goes nowhere that I wouldn't so, not have to edit out. Here's a, dis- here's a disclaimer for this game. Because you know how they get. Christian people, when you start talking about music, look, <laughs> music. I am not. What are you trying- talking about? Completely and utterly well reasoned, thought out. You must be rational. thinking of different Christian people. <laughs> no, here's the thing. Maybe Jehovah's Witnesses. We're going to play a game, and it involves <laughs> or the Mormons that beat. It involves that, talking about music. This game is not trying to make a larger point. It's not trying to make some kind of grand statement on the state of the church. It's just fun. So take a Xanax. Is it is it worship music? Is worship music involved? This is the game. Okay, worship music is involved. Oh. Yes, it is. Worship versus worldly. Oh, I will read a boy the emails few lines from a song. Email the general don't care at gmail.com. and you get one point for guessing. Is it a worship song? Or a worldly song. We also don't want any emails about. There's no such thing as secular and sacred. That's something we made up. I don't. I don't care. It's a game. Just a game. <laughs> Take a Xanax. Okay. So one point Nick. for guessing worldly or worship. Good. And we'll alternate. I'll give each one of you lines. One point for naming the song, and oh. you get one point for naming the artist. Nice. If you can do oh, all nice. three, you get three points. Wait, wait, wait. What uh, song? Artist and what? Worldly or worship. Okay. So first, you, first thing, you got to guess whether it's a worldly song or a worship song. Can Plastic Chris Atwood play? Or is he just going to watch? He's over there hugging things. He, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, although I think he'd be really great at this game. He would. Now, so, now, as a throwback, and I cannot believe we missed this, um, he will hug you like a Japanese chair. He will indeed. <laughs> but I would not want to be hugged by a man wearing these he will hug trousers. You like a, trousers. He will hug you like a, like a man Kim Davis would not marry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to call back. Call back. Hashtag episode. 67. Yeah. All right. So everybody know the rules. First, you got to guess if it's worldly or worship. If you get that part right, you get two bonus you get two bonus questions, of, uh, t- two bonus points if you can figure out the name of the song and the artist. Okay. But if you miss it, um, I'll let the other person steal if you miss the world in worship part. That sounds good. And, and uh, song name can be ballpark and it be okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if, and if multiple artists sing the song, I'll, I'll take either one. All right. So, All right, look, if it's worship play. music, you're going to have to go with multiple artists. Yeah, because every Christian artist is going to record something 50 million times. So, first question, or first uh, song, is going to Nick. My first love, you're every breath that I take, you're every step I make. Um, worldly that's gonna be, or worship? That's going to be worldly. It is worldly. It's by Sting. Oh, the police. No, it is not. That is incorrect. Oh, he threw you a curveball. That is Chase has a chance to steal. Dang. So Nick has Nick is on the board with one point. Can you uh can you read the lyrics again? My first love, you every breath that I take, you every step I make. You actually have a better shot at getting this than, than Nick does. Because of your age. Yeah. Uh-uh. 
Uh, I, I'm, You're old. I'm, I'm afraid it's it's in rattling around in my brain, but the the name's not coming. The song is "Endless Love" by Lionel Richie and Diana Ross. Nice. Oh, I see. I win. Nice. All right. Uh, Nick is on the board with one I'm point. Though. Dancing on the ceiling in frustration at missing that one. Chase. Eh? Eh? I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. That is a worship song. It is. Uh, The name of the song is um, I Live for You Alone. I don't think that's correct. I think the name of the song is I Give You My Heart. I'll say Vineyard. But I'm not sure. They do do a version of that. Okay. Mm. So I'll give you uh, one extra point for for knowing the singer. Nick. Let's go. For so many years I thought I'd never find you. You've come into my life and made me whole. Forever let me wake to see you each and every morning. Let me hear you whisper softly in my ear. Worldly or worship? Well, I know who didn't write it. John Calvin. Wow. <laughs> um, see, that sounds like one of those. See, that one's going to trip me. Because I can't figure out if you're going to try to juke me. That's the point of the game. Because you gave me worldly last time. I'm going to go worldly. Because it just it, it's one of those that. It is worldly. Okay. It was one I of those. I'm glad like, that one's worldly. Well, but you know good and well, there's some, there's some of that. Anyway. Because yes, that would be way too boyfriend Jesus for me. And I, I can already tell you I'm not sure on that one. So I'm just going to take my one. And Do you want to steal, Chase? Do you know that? Uh, Do you even? No, I don't. It is Lady by Kenny Rogers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Out of my wheelhouse. Chase's next question. What's our score? Two to two. two. two 14, two to two. All right. You can take the darkness from the pit of the night and turn into a beacon burning endlessly bright. I've got to follow it because everything I know, well, it's nothing till I give it to you. Worldly or worship? I'm going to say worship. That is incorrect. Oh, no. Nick with a chance to steal. Is, uh, well, I mean, it's obviously worldly now. So yeah. is it endless love? No. Oh, okay. These, they're all, all the songs are different. There's no repeats. Okay, no repeats. Did we already do endless love? Yeah. Oh, yeah. the first one. Yeah, sorry. Okay. You want, a line. To, you want to guess again? Nah, I'm okay. guess again. That is Air Supply, Making Love Out of Nothing at All. Nice. Ooh. A song that I love. I need uh, to get him to email this. We need to make a playlist on Spotify or something. All right, that would be Nick. Nice. Your turn now. Let's see. What's a good? Oh, I love the way you hold me. By my side, you always be. You take each and every day, make it special in some way. I love the way you hold me. Yeah, I'm gonna, I've got to go worldly. That is incorrect. Do you want to steal, Chase? Uh, Are you serious? Oh, my God. That makes me sad. Or a little sick to my stomach. I'm going to say sure Jamie which. Grace. No. Hold that, me. Hold me is the right song. Yes. <laughs> but I had it by Toby Mac here. Okay, okay. So Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold, hold Shot on. in the dark. Go ahead. I, give him his point. But but that was written by a dude. Yeah, it didn't sound very... I don't know who wrote it. I just know Toby Mack was the artist. That he I was the performed it, all right? Yeah. Either way. 
And I, I don't even know what the song sounds like. I just looked up lyrics. That's okay. fine. So I've never even heard the song before, but it sounds pretty. Oh, can't say that on a podcast. Okay. Uh, Self-edit. Save me some time. Thank you, man. You're welcome. Here we go. Chase. Yes. I'm in the game. There's nobody here. It's just you and me. It's where I want to be. That's secular. You are correct. Um, is that, oh gosh, I know that song. Yes, you do. Everybody knows this song. Um, right. I always have a seize up when we do music lyrics. I know. I'm the, look. I'm the same way. I'm not good at lyrics on the spot, especially when they're not sung. It's hard to tell. Is nobody it, wants uh, to hear me Sam by. would destroy us in this game. Yeah, Sam would kill us. Nobody wants to try to sing. It's not Peter Cetera, is it? No, but I like Peter. That is Lady in Red by yes. Krista Brock. Okay. That's it. Dang it. By who? Krista Burr. Krista Burr, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the Burr or Burr. There are hundreds of people listening to the podcast right now that are hollering at me. Yes, they're yeah. missing that one. All right, Nick. Next one for you. You are my desire. No one else will do because no one else can take the place to feel the warmth of your embrace. Worldly uh, worship. worship. Worship is correct. Uh, t- uh, say the last two lines again. I'm sorry. Because no one else can take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace. It's I, I can I know I mean I can hear it, but oh, I can't. I, oh, I, yeah, you know this song. Um, You've sung it more times than you really want to. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a a swing at um, it being a passion song. No, it's not a passion song. <sighs> okay, I can't think of the name. They might have a version of it. I don't. I don't uh, it's know. Fine. Oh, it's, it's uh, fine. I don't. Wait, wait. I got a steal. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know the name of it? The name of the song is "Draw Me Close to You." Yeah, "Draw Me Close." Um, the artist is. Uh, I do not know who the original artist of this song is. It has been sung to death. Okay, so I'll pretty much take anything. Lincoln, Lincoln Specter? No, no, it's not. I need to recognize who it is. I don't. No, know. it. It. I know who it is. It, it's. Uh, oh. Don't Google it. Don't type. Oh, I, I missed keyboard. it. So. Hands off keyboard. No, 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 I missed it. He I, already missed it. I got, the, I got the name of the song. He already missed it. So. Who did um, you have it as being somebody? I just put various artists. I would have took, I mean, I, I know Vineyard had one. I know, okay. Um, See, I thought about going Vineyard, but we had already had one. Vineyard, vineyard sings everything. It is, uh, I'm seeing Donnie McClurkin here on the old Google search. He's not the original that, artist. That, that I doesn't know sound that. right. But See, everybody sung that song. That was yeah. a big Scott song. Carpenter, maybe. Sonic Flood did it. They're one of the earliest ones. That's why I just said. Just, I said just See, started. but if yeah. Sonic Flood did it, they it may have been. Um, they may or may not have written it themselves. Yeah, I don't so. think they wrote it. I'm not sure, but everybody I don't think they did either. Sung it to Kelly them. Carpenter, and that's who it is. I mean, that, it was some. It that's was who Carpenter. wrote it. I don't yeah, know. Kelly Carpenter was... wrote it. That's what's so difficult, and I'm I'm going to get on a soapbox. That's what's so difficult about some some music because some people write their own stuff yeah. and some buy their songs, and it's just difficult. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I think it's it's that one went to who was that for? That was for Chase. No, that was for Nick, and he missed it. So this one's for Chase. Yeah. All right, you ready? Well, I got one point off of it, so I'm at three. Yeah. I got it. It's three yeah. to five. Is that right? Three to five. I think that's right. All right, Chase. All right. I can Google these, right? No. Hey, 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 hey. Dang it. If I had Google Glass, I would. I tell myself that I can't hold out forever. I said there's no reason for my fear because I feel so secure when we're together. You give my life direction. You make everything so clear. Secular. That's Chicago. 
It's not Chicago. It's not Chicago. It is worldly. But that is not who it is. Nick, do you I can't stop this. I can't fight this feeling anymore. That is correct. Ario Speedwagon. Ario Speedwagon, yes, yes, yes. You don't get that point for that, but I'll give you the point for the name of the song. Oh, sweet. So so seven to three. Nick, you got to redeem yourself. Okay. This This one might be a little bit easier. I love you. I need you. Though my world may fail or fall, I'll never let you go. Say I'm going to be technically cheating because I think I read this on the back of your paper on accident. It doesn't matter. Is it Jesus Lover, my soul? Yes. Sweet. You dog. By who? <laughs> Various artists. Donnie McClurkin. <laughs> what? Yes, Donnie McClurkin. Is he? I'm no. helping you out, man. No. Um, I just gave on my tally sheet. I gave Chase those points. Thank you. Um, go Vineyard. I don't care. Hillsong, Darling Jack. Yeah, I would have went Hillsong, but I'll, I'll give them a point for Vineyard because they probably sing it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't check every artist that sings these stuff. All right. It's six, right? I've got it seven, six. Yes. All right. I'm making uh, a run, Chase. I'm coming for you. Here you go, Chase. Yeah, that was dirty. I'll never let you go. You're always on my mind. You're the only one for me. You're all I need. Worldly or worship? I'll never let you go. You're always on my mind. You're the only one for me. You're all I need. You're all I need. I'm going to say worldly. Worldly is correct. Uh, Who sung it? And what's the name of the song? I don't know. Debbie Gibson? No. Do you have any clue? That is Angel Eyes by Steelheart. Oh, wow. My goodness. A song that I used to love for, for reasons unknown. Nice. Oh, I loved that song when I was younger. Yeah. I can't believe I just admitted that on, on live podcast. That's some nice hair uh, from the Steelheart boys. <laughs> All right, Nick. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe and feel your heart beat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I'm melting your peace. It's overwhelming. Worldly or worship? It's worship. It is worship? Hold on. Um, sing the, say the last two lines again. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming. It's not all I need is you, um, but I can't think of the title of it. Chase, I'll, it's it's worship. I know that. Can, can you think of the, the, the person who sings it? See, I would actually go Hillsong on that one. No. Okay. I, they might sing I don't know, but, that, but that's not the original artist. I do know the original artist on this song. That's not what I'm looking for. Do you know that, Chase? I know this song. Um, I love this song, actually. Yeah. It's mushy, but it's good. Um, I, I I can't bring to mind who it's by. That is The More I Seek You by Carrie Job. Carrie Job. Oh, my wife's going to be upset. She likes I Carrie knew the Job. line was next. Like, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. God, the title of the line is, the song is the next line. That was the Basement song, by the way. Shout out to the Basement. Oh, Dude, really? They sang that song all the time Did back really? in the early days oh, before yeah. before Look, the blow up. It's a, it's a great song. Blew up, I went to the, basis, the ba- uh, Basement one time and I was like, people like this? <laughs> Now it's a great place. I mean, look, if you're a teenager and you're trying to meet women, that's a great place. Or score drugs. That was that was the place to go. But send your comments to Emmanuel P. Marsh at 
Hotmail.com. Anyway. Look, that actually may be a legit address. Don't do that. Look, our church used to, to bus kids over to the basement. We used to, they used to take a bus of kids who would want to go. Wow. Look, the early days not, of basement. I was not a fan. I, I didn't even like the early days. It was just so shallow. The early days, there was a lot of legitimacy there. But there were some, but there were some great guys who were involved that I, yeah. that I met um, who, 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 were, who were doing great ministry over there. So I can't speak to the now, but I, I can speak to the early days because right. I was yeah. there. Chase was there. I mean, I wasn't leaving it all. anything. I was just there. Whose turn is it? It's Chase's turn? It's my turn. Thanks, sir, yeah. All right. 12 to 2. <laughs> or 8 to 6. Yeah, Either one. No, I think I gave you 7, so I don't know. I'll, I'll take that's it. That's right, 8 yeah, to 7. 8 to 7. No problem. All right, Chase. Because <laughs> sometimes it seems like the world's closing in on me, and there's no way of breaking free. And then I see you reach for me. Uh, I'm going to say secular. Secular is correct. Uh, Richard Marks? Nope. You want to steal? I, I realize none of these songs are in, in Nick's wheelhouse. Yeah, I got nothing. Like, I got, I want to have, but nah. That is when I, when, when, I, when I See You Smile by Bad English. Oh, I'd say I like that song. Yeah. It's, it's cheesy, when but it's a good one. All right, I'm going to do one more. I hadn't planned on doing this one. I put it on because I really don't know if this song is secular or or. or I don't know if it's worldly or worship. Well, so what? He gets a point for either guess? I'll no, take it. Go. I'm give it. Plastic Chris Atwood says I'm leaning, that's I'm cheating. Leaning, I'm leaning a direction. So Because I found the lyrics, but I don't know it, which. When you feel the sunlight fade into the cold night, don't know where to turn. I don't know where to turn. And all the dreams you're dreaming seem to lose their meaning. Let me in your world. Baby, let me in your world. Well, the fact that it says baby, don't I, I'm like I'm going to give you help. I shouldn't do this. I should be impartial. Don't let don't let that throw you off. No, don't help see him. It, okay, but what it sounds like, okay. See this, okay, this sounds like something like Soul Shine by the Allman Brothers because it's one of those songs that it it's it's a foot in both worlds and it depends on your interpretation of the artist what they meant by it. Yeah, I see I don't Liberal. know. I really don't know what the intent of this song is, but I do know the song and the singer. Um, Jeanette definitely knows the song. And the, she's probably sitting around screaming like. Okay, then I'm going to say it's uh, Christian. It's Michael W. Smith. It is. <laughs> but, I don't, but here's the thing. I don't know that it's a worship song, though. Okay, it's, that's why you notice I said Christian, not world what's worship. What's the name of the song? I think it's like. I got no idea. I think it's like Let Me In Your World or Share Your World. Oh. So here's so here's the issue for that is he wrote a love song record, okay, and, and so and I couldn't tell because because that's the thing I couldn't tell, um, because I looked and I was like okay it's Michael W Smith no. but I can't tell if these are love songs or Christian songs or supposed to be God talking to you or no he he wrote I don't know a, enough about him to. Yeah, he wrote a a romance, a love song album. Okay, and so that's what you're. See, I don't know anything about it. I believe that means we're going to end the game in a tie. That is a tie, and I don't have any uh, tiebreakers, so just deal with it. I know it's not American to have Boom. a tie, but dirty. I'm sorry, I let you down, Jeanette. I will not kiss you, sister. <laughs> in case you're wondering, I'm okay with this. I wasn't talking to you. I was uh-huh. going to say, you better not call me sister. Like, <laughs> what, what just happened? I thought he was on Periscope or something. I didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> okay. I, get, I thought he was getting indecent proposals on Periscope. Man, if I had a penny for every time that happened. 
Yeah. Look, them them yelling that particular expletive at you, Chase, is not necessarily a proposition. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's just teach me more, Romeo. <laughs> teach me more, Romeo. All right. With that, we are going to um, pop the e-brake and just hard left into a little more serious. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That is a hard get serious sometimes. That was a hard skid into some serious. Oh, yeah. Stuff. We took out a light pole going around that. Um, well, we better start with a pretty low-level serious. No, yeah, I nothing think, big, right? No, um, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty light. Um, oh yeah, get, good, good easing. I'm, I'm in. up for some light stuff after um, that. Pastoral restoration um, due to, to sexual sin. Dude, that just screams lighthearted yep. right there. So I'm um, smiling and laughing already. So I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to throw a chase a curveball here. Uh, oh, when, joy. when we do Driscoll updates, we have as the Driscoll turns. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what we have here is we're going to be discussing none other than Tully and Tavigian. Yes. And so I don't know if we should go with as the Tully and tattoos. Wow. Or as the Tully and teases because he's a he's a hair guy. Yeah. And he styles it now. His what about is not, what about Tully talk? It's time for another episode of Tully Talk. See, I How like about t- t- Tully. Uh, t- Tully in trouble. Tully trouble. There you uh, go. Tully, Tully trouble. Okay, I can I can go with that a little bit more than Tully Talk, but I, I like the as the somebody does something because it's, yeah. it's the continuing adventures of this particular yeah. saga. Um, yeah. Well, there's good news for Tully, and he is no. How about sex lies and Tully? And how about that? Oh wow. Uh, probably pretty accurate. Okay. By the way, um, most of us on the show actually. Kind of like the guy, right? So uh, he's not well, on our I mean, bad list, is he? Okay, so that's no. That's he's, not, he's not on my bad list. Yeah. Although I disagree with him voraciously. We don't use that word enough. No. Um, on, uh, I'm not even sure I used it correctly, but I like it. Um, on his stances on grace. Okay, but other than that, do you think he's too gracey? Yeah, he's hyper. He's hyper grace. That's what we he say gets, in seminary. If somebody's has too much grace in their their teaching. It's it's a technical term. It's from the Greek, but too gracey. Yeah, I like kind of that. means just kind of too much. Right? He, he gets yeah. accused of being an antinomian, and he he rejects that. Well, um, that's what the common people say. But like the high level theologians, it's too gracey. Yeah, yeah, and so I I do know that I liked listening to him because he he wasn't the only pastor I would listen to, but his presentation wasn't as. Um, high-minded as some guys that I would listen to, but he still tried to stay rooted in, in the Word, yeah. um, it seemed like. So I how, do you feel, how do you feel about, about his uh, baptism of babies? I'm, I'm just joking. Sorry, sorry. I, I liked him right up until the point this came out, and I wasn't upset about the affair, which I guess I should have been, but I, that didn't what bothered me is he threw his wife under the bus. Yeah. It, he was like, basically, he was like, I did it because she did it. I was like, dude, you got to take that one for the team because her behavior has no bearing on what you do, period. Yeah. You didn't have to have an affair. You could have just got a biblical divorce and moved on. Nope. Yeah. Well, And that's what I – there's a lot of – I lost some respect for him and I lost some respect for Paul Tripp when it's not about that either, but – well, that's interesting because one of the as I was reading this, you know, the if you like this or more about the story referenced, um, Paul Tripp saying their marriage was irreparably, irreparably, whatever that word is. Sorry, it's late. Yeah, he, um, said, harmed. he said it was irre, yeah, irre, uh, irreparably, irreparably harmed broken or and something I, like that. And I was like, how do you know? Like, yeah, what grace just doesn't work anymore? 
Yeah, I, I had trouble stomaching that. But look, here's here's what we're going to talk about um, tonight, uh, and we can dive into those a little bit as we go. But um, the good news is that Tullian is no longer unemployed. Um, he is now on staff at uh, Willow okay, Creek Church. <laughs> oh, my. Um, no. That's been a while since we had a good quality oh, my, out of me. Um <laughs> Uh, less than two weeks after he filed for divorce from his wife, Kim, uh, about three weeks since he was deposed by the Presbyterian Church, and about two months since he resigned from Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, uh, Billy Graham's grandson, um, that's the most pertinent fact to the article, has landed a new job with Willow Creek Church in Winter Springs, Florida. Uh, he is going to be, what is his role? Chase, do you remember? Uh, d- director of... Uh Ministry development, director of ministry, uh, leadership development, it's not one of those titly things that. Yeah, whatever. so less than a month. Um, director of ministry development, that's it. Whatever that means. Yeah, it means a, a lot. <laughs> you know, Paul talks about that in the third epistle to Timothy. Yeah. The, I'm just being snarky. I'm not really. Develop attacking. that ministry, <laughs> Timothy. Develop it. There you go. Um, yeah, go ahead, it's, Nick. It, it's an interesting. It's an interesting situation. Um, Willow Creek actually released a statement uh, that no rules were broken in the hiring of Tully, and apparently the pastor um, reached out through the Presbury. Uh, Presbury, apologize if I'm messing that up. I saw the word, and now I can't remember it. Presbytery, or I don't know how you pronounce it either. <laughs> Presbytery. Thank you. Um, and so he actually went through, um, apparently there was someone kind of in, in over uh, Tullian's care and discipline process, so he went through the proper channels to reach out to them before hiring. Um my issue isn't um, whether the guy went through the proper channels, but is this a good move at, for for even not for just your church for him at this point in his pastoral restoration? Okay, uh, who gets to go first? Whoever is willing to jump in that ring, <laughs> I'll let Chase go first. I will accede to your wishes and go first. Okay, start off by saying this. Number one, I, I, I don't want to sit in judgment on this decision, but this is a commentary show. We give commentary. Number two, um, the Bible does not say or specify what to do it with a pastor who has adultery. It, it just doesn't say. Now, Don't let that stop you, though. Well, I, I'm, I'm just going to throw out my opinion <laughs> I think this is far too soon for this situation to happen. Yes, Pastor Tully could say, hey, you know what? My wife had an affair. That broke the marriage. What I did was uh, you know, just kind of predicated on that. I would agree with you guys that that, to, uh, that, uh, that is pertinent information, but not the kind of pertinent information that should be made public. Um, y- you know... <sighs> This is too soon. Richard Kent Hughes and John Armstrong have a, uh, a an article in Christianity Today uh, this month. It's dated September 4th, titled, Should Adulterous Pastors Be Restored? Ultimately, their conclusion is, based on the history of the church and based on the calling of Titus and Timothy to have elders that are without blame, that... A fall in this sense, and by the way, I said that was a, a September article. It's merely being reprinted. It actually came out in 1995 originally, but regardless, um, the conclusion of uh, 
Kent Hughes and Armstrong is that the traditional teaching of the church is a fallen pastor cannot be restored. Now, I think there are circumstances and situations where indeed a fallen pastor can be restored. And again, there's no hard and fast biblical rule here, but I believe the time period of restoration should be measured in years, not weeks, um, not months, but years, and that restoration is possible with appropriate humility, real repentance, and a restoration to a place of, uh, as the Bible might call, uh, blameless um, in that situation. But man, this is alarmingly fast to me for Tullian Tullian to be in a ministry position. Yes, he has to work. He, he's a guy. He's he has to ha- he has to work. I'm not. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not saying he should work at a gas station or a grocery store, but should he be in a high level ministry position? I, I, I don't believe so. Emmanuel, what do you think? I I, I think I agree. I I really hate you know to. You know, when you don't have a hard and fast rule, is there is no timetable in a sense, but the, but you just get the sense that this is just way too soon. Um, and I don't see, and, and and for me, it doesn't matter really what church it is. Like, will we approve if this was his church? If he was back in ministry, I think everybody will say this is a bad idea. It doesn't really matter what church you're you're serving in. Being back this soon seems uh, too soon. And I really question why they were in such a, uh, you know, just a, a race to hire him. Um, I, I, from what I heard, the guy at Willow Creek is a, f- a fan of him. Yeah, he listed um, him as as one of the his extre- you know high level ministry influences on the website. Yeah. Um, so maybe he just wanted to reach out to him. Um, but it just see that it, it's fast. I mean that's. Because he hadn't, I mean, Tullian hadn't had to step down. It, it hadn't even been a month yet, has it? Has it been it's one been month, two, two months? I believe two months. Two months. Yeah. Yeah, this article was That's written. pretty quick. August 28th. Nope, sorry. Let me pull up. Now, right. and I would say it depends on what what, what the person did. But with what, what he did, adultery, that's fast to be in the ministry again. Um. And I'm all for restoration, but that that's extremely, extremely fast. Yeah, that's two yeah, months. That verbiage about being a fan worries me because this, yes, as much as you may want to be help be part of his restoration, you don't do that by putting him on staff. Um, there was a guy that jumped very quick to the defense of Driscoll after. Um, he he resigned or however things broke down and and you just kind of there's that cynical part of you that goes are you trying to help this dude or are you trying to get the PR from being the dude who helps mm-hmm. him bounce back um, but I you know I echo I can't say anything different than what you two guys I, I don't you're gonna ha- you're gonna be hard pressed to convince me that two months since resignation and two weeks since filing from divorce from your spouse is enough time for you to have gone through a, a time of self evaluation, uh, repentance, and, and 
restoration um, yeah. to be to be able to be in a leadership position in, in a fellowship. Um, I just I, I can't. You can't give me a, time, a set of circumstances within that timetable. And not, and not only that, a, leader, a leadership position where I assume he's going to be around women. And maybe maybe he won't. Maybe he'll just they'll insulate him. But you'd have to ask the question, is it wise to have the women in your church? And I'm not trying to say that, that Tulian is some kind of predator. That's what I, not what no, I'm not No, not at all. But He's a dude. Yeah, is it wise to have a guy who's fresh off of of, of adultery, you know, um, ministering to women in your church? Um, I'm, I don't find that wise. And they may not be. He might. Maybe they've got him into like. Maybe he's doing some men's ministry development. I don't know. Maybe he's just in an office looking at computers. It, maybe it's a fake position they created just to get him there. And that, but to me again, that goes back to that's PR move then, yeah. and that bothers me. So here's kind of the antithesis. We've got a follow up story in this. Well, um, before we get to oh, the follow up story, I think that's important. I, I did My find bad, a dude. paragraph. No, no, I, I found a paragraph I would like to read um, from the the Christianity Today article I referenced earlier by John Armstrong and uh, Richard Kent Hughes. Um, he, they they say this is towards the end of the article. They say um, they quote John Chrysostom, who was a, a very early church leader. Um, oh, golden tongue! That's right. That's right. One of the apparently one of the best preachers Christianity has ever had. The minister's shortcomings simply cannot be concealed. Even the most trivial soon get known. Mm-hmm. And, and they say this. Perhaps some might eventually become qualified. Some fallen ministers, that is, might eventually become qualified to return again to pastoral office perhaps after being ordained again. And it cannot be biblically proven that a fallen minister can never be restored to office. But this does not argue against the flow of our understanding that that should rarely happen, if ever. For the vital question the church faces in our time is not what might happen in exceptional cases, but rather how can we protect and help the woman or women sinned against by the minister? How can we minister to the pastor's wife and children, those most sinned against in this lapse? What can be done to preserve the church spiritually and morally? What are we to do to help this minister begin the long ordeal of sorting out his devastated life? I think that's the last question to answer in these kind of situations. How can we get this minister back into ministry? The first question to an- answer is, what can we do for these women that were sinned against and devastated? What about the family? What about the church that has been broken by this? You, you begin to answer those questions way before you begin to answer the question of how fast can we restore person X to ministry? Um, the church I, I served before just recently had a very big name speaker in that uh, just a few years ago um, had a very public adulterous affair, and and I, it broke my heart a little bit. I went out and watched the video of him of him teach. Um, it, it just it just scares me. I'm not I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying that that's the right attitude. Uh, I believe restoration can and should happen. Uh, in some cases, with repentance and brokenness, but not quickly. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a good word. So, 
All right, so thanks for hanging in with us through another episode of The Gospel Friends. We hope you've enjoyed it thus far. We did want to take a quick pause at the top of this next segment to kind of put in a little bit of a warning. Um, The content here goes down the more mature path of content, not in any type of lewd or crude way, but in a blunt way. And so we know some of you guys have um, younger listeners that sometimes listen with you. And with the kind of the subject matter that we're about to to discuss, wanted to give... um, opportunity to maybe listen later or uh, send them on another different task before we get too far into this. So um, good time to do that now. We'll pick the segment up uh, in just another second or two. Kind of, in some ways, going the opposite approach here, um, we've got an article about R.C. Sproul Jr. And so um, where on one side you have a pastor um, who... I mean, Tullian doesn't. Tullian doesn't in any way argue the argue the, what happened. I mean, he's he's admitted it. Granted, giving a reason he, for it, he kind of admitted it. it. It was well, he he admitted it under almost under duress and making excuses for it. Uh, um, but on the other side of the coin, you have R.C. Sproul Jr. Um, he is suspended after confessing a visit to AshleyMadison.com dot com in a moment of weakness and. Um, so the story goes, um, he is a widower, um, and I believe he lost children as well. He lost his wife and child uh, over the last uh, three or four years. Yes, R.C. Sproul, Jr., his wife died first, then uh, one of his special needs daughters. Uh, his wife died in 2011. The daughter died, I believe, in 2013 or 2014. So this is clearly a situation, um, and I'm going to step carefully here, um, I can I can imagine a number of circumstances where someone would be tempted to sign up for that site, even out of morbid curiosity for do I know anybody on here? Even like I could no offense, Chase. There was a part of me that wondered if one of your pseudo addresses was going to be on that site. Edit point. What the heck? Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> be for the purpose of investigation. Plastic Chris Atwood smash. Okay, but you Chase will is, not impugn. Chase is, no, Chase. I'm not. But that's the thing. I'm not. Imp- I, my intention is not to impugn at all. But I don't wonder if there weren't people that signed up for that site out of morbid curiosity. You know what? Just not trying to be funny and being serious. I am an exceedingly dangerously curious person. Um, you are not incorrect. I did not sign up for Ashley Madison, even with a fake email address, and I certainly would have used a fake email address <laughs> had I done so. Uh, but I, I did not sign up for the site, not even for a little bit to browse. But I am extremely. And my intention about was not to say that you did. I'm saying I, I could have imagined there was a part of me that almost. But I just went. This is one of those times where you, you're an alcoholic who thinks he's far enough into the recovery, and so you want to go witness to your boys at the bar. And so your your friends who are alcoholics, so you go to the bar because you know they'll be there instead of having them over one night to cook grill steaks. It's just it's a bad idea. Um, but you know, I could absolutely see this cat, you know, going, um, you know, having convincing himself he had a legitimate. Hey, I know they bill it for affairs, but what if? Um, 
What if there's people that are looking for legit relationships? And I hear myself arguing then with you. Then you my- go like every other person does. You go to ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> Duh. Well, this is what's brought. Or, this, or the single parent but, small but, group but, at but your church. But he, he said, he admitted that that's not why he went there. He told Oh, I didn't tr- see that. Okay. Yeah, he told the he, he He just laid it all out and just said, look, I was, you know. I was not there doing research. Actually, he said that in the statement. I was Did he? Okay, I research. missed that piece. Yeah. Well, this is what he said. I've got the statement. He's, in, in August 2014, in a moment of weakness, pain, and from an unhealthy curiosity, I visited Ashley Madison. My goal was not to gather research for critical commentary, but to fan the flames of my imagination. Um, I was there long enough to leave an old email address, and within minutes I left, never to return. I did not sign up for their service or interact with any clients. I have always remained faithful to my wife, even after her passing. Hmm. Yeah, look, you know, I'll, I'll let you kind of comment there, Emmanuel. No, I, you know, um, I actually had a friend I talked to this weekend about Ashley Madison. This is not really to this story, but an email address that him and his wife had a joint email address for something. Ashley Madison sent something to that email address and his wife asked him about it and he, he didn't sign up. He was like, I didn't sign up and she didn't believe he signed up. Um, he didn't sign up, but he thought that in the, and I, and the email address was such that it was something that somebody would put as an email address hmm. just to, you know, just to put, because they don't at the, at the time. I don't think they verify email addresses. You just put an email address. You can put anything. That's so in. frustrating. And I had was, a buddy. We we used to work with two guys, and one of the guys took great pleasure in signing this other up dude up for email list. Nothing that, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But, um, but it happens. But yeah. But anyway, uh, he's. I think they said he's going to be suspended for. I don't know indefinitely. I don't know when they're, but. I'm okay with how they handled it. Um, he waited a year to say anything. Probably should have said something sooner. Um, and i I tend to try. To, I tend to want to believe him that he just went in there and left. Um, but uh, he didn't throw anybody under the bus, which which I appreciated. But and here's I'm trying to think if I want to say this or not. It's not inflammatory. But he he said something in this that is it is so true. He said curiosity, hmm. and I'll and I'll frame that into a statement that that women women don't understand the male sex drive or what makes men tick sexually. They think they do, they don't because we lie to you, we don't tell you the truth. And the here's the truth of the matter. And and I think Christians have done a disservice because we don't talk honestly about sex or sexuality. We try to, but we really just kind of we you know. Some people do. Triple X Church does. Uh, but the truth is this, and I know people try to tell you that marriage sex is awesome and it's the best sex you can ever have. And you know, I wasn't I wasn't a virgin when I got married. Marriage sex is it's fine. It's married sex. It's just, it, I didn't think it was any different than unmarried sex my point in saying it is this fine it's fine i get in trouble if my wife says how does my outfit look and i say fine i say fine all the time my wife she just that's she just accepts me for who i am i'm sorry you don't get that same courtesy me too oh Pray my for me oh now i gotta hide from nick's wife and your wife <laughs> my no. wife doesn't always listen to you probably safe yeah you're gonna probably want to yeah. point her away from this episode 
<laughs> no, but see, I try to give my wife constructive uh, advice if she asks me. But there is something that's deep in a man's psyche. Is there a part of you that wants to – never mind. I'm just, <laughs> Go ahead, I'm please. Just, I'm just listening. There's something in a man's psyche. It doesn't it didn't matter if we love the woman we're with. It doesn't matter if we have great marital <laughs> sex with our wives. There's always a curiosity about what sex is with other women. We have a sexual imagination. And the less we know about a woman, the better. So – a strange woman that we know nothing about is is always going to be sexier than a woman we know everything about in in, a, in that in that way now that might be true for everybody, but I've been a guy my whole life. I know a bunch of guys <laughs> we talk about these things it's you know there's an there's a curiosity there, and porn feeds that so if you're yes, a guy who's watching porn now you it feeds that fantasy because in porn most of the time what's happening. Some strange woman that you don't know all of a sudden wants to have sex with you. And that titillates men because we have this sexual imagination. And I say all that to say is that the root of all this stuff is not necessarily lust, but it's covetousness. Mm. That is an amazing. We are wanting things that are not ours. And that's what makes it titillating. It's because it's wrong. It's because it's not. You know, when you're watching porn, it's titillating because that body we're looking at is not for us. That's somebody's daughter, that's somebody's future wife, that's somebody, it's not for us to see that person naked. And that covetousness, which the Bible calls idolatry, it's us idolizing sex as opposed to, uh, you know, doing the opposite of idolatry, which is, you know, worshiping God and and being grateful for what he has provided for us in spouses. Hmm. And so what the root of a lot of it is, is, is the covetousness that comes along with fantasy, with imagination and with curiosity. And it is, and it is very hard for a man to fight that if he has not been trained, if he has not been told that he needs to from a young age, mm-hmm. you can't wait till he's 25 and say, Hey, don't look at porn. Porn's yep. not the issue. The issue is he's a dude. You're a, yeah, you're a dude. Women are insanely attractive. I tell my wife all the time. I said, I wish for just one day that all the women in the world would just just be like men, and and you would you would understand so much more than you understand now. Yes, the it would one, be eye opening. The female body, there is just nothing like it to a man. And title. <laughs> I don't know if you want that to be decided. Maybe gonna, maybe gonna. That would really boost our downloads there. Yeah, and so if you if you couple that with imagination, curiosity, covetousness, you couple that with um, the lie. There's there's lies we believe. We yeah. the world tells us that sex is the best thing ever, and not only do they tell us that the sex is the best thing ever, they tell us that illicit sex, that sex. Uh, you know, fornication, uh, adulterous affairs. They tell us that that is exciting. Mm-hmm. I was, I remember watching a a guy. I think he was on Letterman. It was an actor, and they were talking about sex scenes and something. And he made this statement. He probably thought it was innocuous, but he said, "Nobody wants to see married people having sex on TV." He's like, "That's not that's not titillating." And you think about it, most of the sex scenes. If you see a sex scene on TV, it's affairs, it's fornication. It's something 
lewd or uh, lascivious. It's never, you know, it's never married. I don't say never, but it's very seldom married couples um, because that's not sin. That's not, and we don't tell people this is a lie. The church doesn't. The church tells by omission. Affairs are stimulating. They're more stimulating than sex with your spouse. That's why people. That's why people have them because they think that something is going to be better over there. They watch TV. The sex looks stimulating. They know what sex with their spouse is like, but they don't know what that person is like. And it's believing this just these series of lies about what sex is and what sex isn't, and then denying uh, the lies that you tell yourself or believing the lies yourself and denying the truth. And you're telling yourself, well, you know, I can look at this and I'll be fine. Or as Tulian said, well, my wife did it, so I'm entitled to do it. Or, you know, in a moment of weakness, Sproul looks at AshleyMadison.com because of that curiosity. I wonder what, I wonder if there really are these women who are out there who want to have affairs. And I wonder if they're attractive because the woman who's the, on the billboard, they attract, you know, they use, she's attractive, you know, um, it's a whirlwind of things that causes pastors, men, women to fall in this area. There is, there's, it's not just one thing. I mean, you can say sin, but it's, it's a, it's a complex, you know, uh, issue and we've got to uh the, the the scripture that keeps coming to mind is jeremiah it's it's he quotes it it's twice in jeremiah i think six and eight they they dress the wounds of my people you know as if they're not uh i think the word serious in some translations mm. or some translations say something lightly you know they keep saying peace peace when there is no peace talking about the prophets and the teachers of that time and we've got to stop giving lip service and just be honest. Like, you know, um, it's kind of a Nathan Martin rant there, but I felt good about it. That's funny. Well, I think, I think that rant you just had, there's a lot of insight in that. And I think it will lead us into talking about Eileen Challey's uh, letter here in just a second. But before we get there, I would like to ask one quick question. Uh, getting back to the R.C. Sproul Jr. situation, he was suspended for uh, from ministry essentially by his presbytery for a year for logging on to Ashley Madison and looking. My question to you guys, and Nick, we'll, we'll let you go first. Uh, is that about the right punishment? Is it uh, too merciful, or does that strike you as excessive? Which one? What was his role? Uh, he's actually, uh, I believe, R.C. Sproul Jr. is a pastor, is he not? But I'm saying, is he a leader? Is he a, a staff? I don't know. My assumption has been all, all, all the whole time that he is a pastor, like a senior yeah, pastor. I, I thought he was too, but I'm not sure. Um, this is this is one of those situations where I would love the elder model to be in place, and and kind of here's why, um, because theoretically, um, this this gentleman has an accountability relationship with maybe people outside the church, but now he, he is in an elder model. Okay. So theoretically, um, so the Presbytery, is that his church or is that the governing body of Okay, he is in a Presbyterian elder model so that there would be local elders, but the Presbytery would be a group of elders 
essentially outside of the church that would be over him. Mm-hmm. Okay, see, that's where I would look to. See, I, I don't know. I would I would look to the local elder model in this this case. Um, and theoretically, maybe you know, maybe they got half a dozen. They've got six elders. I'm not expecting this dude to be BFS with all all five of the other elders. But two or three of those guys know his business. They they're the guy he calls whenever he gets tempted to log on to triplexanything.com, mm-hmm. uh, much less before he actually logs on. Um, if he gets tempted, if he gets too far down in depression after this particular, they're those the guys who call. But they're also the guys that are going, "Hey, bro, how are you doing?" Look, you've been married. You're not anymore. Um, your body still works. How are you handling that temptation? So theoretically, there's guys in his life that know, and I would actually defer to their input prior over the the general presbytery. Um, I don't know that I think a year is necessary if the people that know him, the people he's in an accountability relationship with, with him, um, believe him. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know I'm. That that may give some people heartburn that I'm I'm putting too much I'm giving too much quote unquote power or whatever you want to call it um, to that group, um, but I I'm kind of using some Emmanuel's language, um, being a dude who his body still works and he doesn't have an outlet for that, being tempted to to look for an outlet, that's called being a guy. Yeah, but he didn't. Yeah. Unless unless there's something else they're not saying, I think you you pull them back and you go, hey man, you're you're having more of a struggle with this than you realized. Let's come alongside you. Let's let's take a time out. Probably six months, I would think. Three months, six months. I don't I don't think sidelining them for a year is the right call. But that's me. I don't disagree with the year because I think they're treating the wounds, his wounds, as if they are serious. Um. I do think that it, a year seems excessive, especially from people who are outside who don't, you know. And that and that model may not work. I am not in the Presbyterian Church and not, you know, equipped to say whether it works or not. But local elders, while I think they are poor, I don't think they provide as much accountability as other people think they do. Like in the Driscoll case, everybody's like, if he just had the right elders, he wouldn't have got it. He would have, you know, this wouldn't have happened. No, people screw up with accountability and without it. Hmm. So that's, six that's six true. months seems fine if that's all there is to it. Um, you know, if he just logged in and then left, you know, six months is fine. I'd be okay with three months. I'd be okay with no time at all if if that's what happened and they felt that this was not a a sin issue to the point where it was a pattern. If it was a sin, an isolated incident and they believed that it was. I'm okay with isolated patterns. Uh, I'm an isolated incident as opposed to a pattern. Um, and I would just, whatever they thought was fair um, and wise, I would agree with. So I don't have a problem with a year. That's it's a, it's a lot of, that's a long time for an email. But I think that that, is, that might be warranted, not just for him, but just uh, for the congregation to see, like, no, this is serious. You know, the sexual sin is serious, and we're going to treat it serious. So, okay, uh, interesting. This is interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've, I, I'm not a fan, but I've read a fair amount of of stuff that R.C. Sproul 
Jr. has written, uh, actually more than his daddy. I, I've read more uh, oh, of well. his, um, I, mainly because when his wife died um, and his daughter died, he just wrote so powerfully about those things. It, it just pulled me in. I, I mean, weeping for this guy that I don't even know. He wrote something. I, I want. I want to say he's one of the more powerful exhortations I've ever read on uh, October of 2014 on the Laganier Ministries blog, Husbands Hold Your Wives' Hand. Uh, and it's basically... I remember uh, that. Yeah. I read talking, that. talking about how, it, you know, this, it was, this is three years after his wife had died. He's just saying, I wish I'd held her hand more. Um, talking about how much he, he missed her and and that he just wished as a man he had held her hand more, and, and I know wives just just absolutely thrilled to that. Uh, husbands are often more interested in uh, hanky panky than just a mere <laughs> embrace or a handhold. Um, but I read that and I told myself I need to hold my wife's hand more. I, I need to do that. So. He, if if everything on the surface of this is accurate, that all he did is put an email address in, I I, I want to say that that seem that seems just so. A year seems excessive, but I am not on the board, I, and and I don't I don't know the details, and I believe it's a godly, sober-minded group of people that he's working with, and. Uh, I think it's trustworthy what they've done, but it, it seems at least on the surface a little excessive. And he submitted himself to it instead he of did. <laughs> going to Willow Creek. Um, and points for that, by the way. Yeah. I, I think that shows great character. Um, and I'm not saying that to smear uh, the other gentleman you're talking about. I'm saying that to praise the one we're talking about. All right, guys, well, let's close out with this. Uh, how about... How about I read uh, Eileen Challey's letter and y'all respond to it? Okay. Um, this is uh, this is Tim Challey's wife. Tim Challey's is a blogger from Canada, Challey's.com. I've been reading Tim for uh, a long time. I, I like too. him a lot. Great writer. Uh, he posts great links. Uh, I don't agree with him everything theologically, but – uh, he's a cessationist. I am not, but I have a great deal of respect for him. Okay, what, what bothers you more—the fact that he's a cessationist or the fact that he's Canadian? Which one is worse? Actually, I like Canadians a lot, so okay. definitely cessationist. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, you know me and trouble. foreigners. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm a fan uh, of Canadians. Um, okay, so here's here's the letter, Emmanuel. How about you, you get the first response on this one? Okay, uh, but give me a couple of minutes to read it. Again, this is Tim's wife. It's a plea to Christian men. How long ago was it now? Was it 10 years, 12? How long has it been since I faced it for the first time? It was a whispered rumor here, a shaded suggestion there. Then it was the devastated wife weeping in my basement as I tried desperately to draw on some wisdom, some biblical truth that would help her. Little did I know all those years ago that this was simply the tip of the iceberg. But I had hope. Six years ago, Tim wrote the book Sexual Detox, and I followed up with the book False Messages. The number of letters we received shocked us. Heartbreaking, soul-crushing emails from guilty men and women married to unfaithful husbands. I wrestled and fought to understand it all from a 
biblical perspective. Why do so many men, and even so many Christian men, have such weakness when it comes to sexual sin? But even then, I still had hope, hope in the truth of the gospel, hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the years since, I have listened to more stories of more Christian men falling, wept with more women, and prayed a whole lot. I have tried to explain to women how their husbands think about sex. Your husband doesn't just want it. He wants you. I've tried to tell them that the sex is a good gift that God gives as a means of grace in marriage, a means of bonding a husband and wife together. I have counseled single young women to pursue purity. I have been teaching all the right stuff, and, they, I, and I have believed it all. I had hope. Then came Ashley Madison and the suggestion that hundreds of pastors would have to resign after being caught with accounts on this website that glorifies adultery. And it's not just pastors. Hundreds of other Christian men, both single and married, have been caught up in the scandal. Now there are more broken homes, more devastated churches, more weeping wives, more mocking of God. And I have to tell you, this week, today, I'm struggling to find hope. I have fought to understand the struggle men face. I have fought to have compassion. I have encouraged wives to extend forgiveness, to willingly and joyfully give themselves to their husbands. But you know what? I just don't know how I can keep doing it. Not when so many husbands are deceptively defiling the marriage bed. Not when so many young single men are recklessly defiling the future marriage bed. Not when so many men seem just plain unwilling to change. Men, you are supposed to be modeling holiness before the world, Titus 2, 6 through 8. You are supposed to be cherishing your wives as Christ cherishes his church, Ephesians five twenty five. You are supposed to be abstaining from sexual immorality, all sexual immorality, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. You are supposed to be fleeing youthful passions, 2 Timothy two twenty two. Why are so many of you failing at these basic tasks? Is it really that difficult? You would almost think that this one sin is beyond the power of the Holy Spirit. You who keep choosing to sin, you who keep visiting those websites, you who have secret lives, you keep hidden from your friends and your wives, why won't you stop? You know that God loves to give victory over every sin. You know that God calls you to pursue sanctification. You know that the Holy Spirit equips you to succeed. God has given you everything you need in the gospel. So why do you keep failing? The only conclusion I can come to is that you are so consumed with self-gratification that you are not willing to fight, and I mean really willing to fight, this sin. If it's not that you can't, it must be that you won't. I plead with you. I plead with you on behalf of your wives, on behalf of your future wives, on behalf of Christian women everywhere. Stop. Just stop. Stop believing that this is a special sin that women just can't understand. We do understand sin. This isn't a special sin. It is just sin. God belittling, Christ mocking, spirit despising sin. Stop pretending like there are no future consequences to your actions. Stop putting your selfish desires first. Stop engaging in activities that bring shame on the gospel. Stop doing things that leave us picking up the pieces of your devastated wife. Stop indulging in your sin and start thinking and acting like a God-honoring, Christ-praising, Spirit-glorifying man. For the love of God and His church, stop. Okay, the, the first time I, I read that article, I read it when it first posted, because I, I check Chally's every day. Um, 
I like I like Tim Challies. The first time I read it, it irritated me because I was focused on, I guess, her saying that she, you know, tries to get wives to understand men, and she tries and she understands men sin, and I, and I, I blew her off because I'm like, you have no idea, lady, you just don't. Um, maybe she does. I don't know, but uh, just being a man, my, you know. At least since twelve, have understanding, you know, having the urges and all that. Um, I don't know that she understands. Second time I read it, I actually just heard it as a plea from my wife, and it, and I thought it was uh, uh, strong. And the third time you read it, I thought it was just it maybe a little stronger than the second time I read it. So, I like the fact that she is pleading with men. Um, I don't think she gets it, though. You know, she's like, it's not a special sin. It is a special sin. It's that, it's it's special in the sense that first, you know, it's one of those sins that Paul doesn't tell you to fight. He just says, flee sexual. Let's just run away from sexual immorality. Don't try to fight it. I don't need you to pray about it. Run. Um, it affects you differently because it's a because the first uh, Corinthians says that all other sins are done outside of the body, but sexual sin is different because because you're sinning against your own body. Sexual sin is, is physical and it is spiritual. Um, is what the Bible says. So it is different. Um, now is it special in the sense that God can't heal? No. Um, is it special in the sense that it's unbeatable? No, but it, it, it takes time. It takes proper teaching. It takes, uh, for some people, it takes safeguards, in, you know, in place. Um, my family, uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I come from a long line of womanizers. Uh, all of my uncles have outside, you know, have children, had children before they were married. My granddad has at least five kids that he had while he was married that are the same age as, as, as my mom and her, her siblings. Um, my, he would pick my mom up from high school and pick up his girlfriend from high school. Like I know about sexual sin just from, I don't have to stray that far out, you know, from my family. So when I got ready to get married, I was worried about this, you know, um, I was like, God, I don't want to be like my family. I didn't have any reason to believe that I would be like them, but I was terrified of being that. And I set up safeguards for myself um, to kind of, I don't, I hate the term a prayer, a fair proof. I hate that term, but you know, and just steps to take, but a lot of people just don't think about that. They just think they're going to be fine. And I mean, and most of my steps are practical. I don't eat, you know, some people just don't, be around women all the t- at all by themselves. I'm not that. I, I have lunch with women. My wife doesn't care. I won't have dinner with a woman because I think that's a different connotation. I don't have a drink with a woman. I don't talk to a woman without my wife knowing about it. One on if I talk to a woman one on one, my wife knows about it. Um, if I'm in a situation where I'm working somewhere, or even when I was in seminary and I felt like I found somebody attractive, I told my wife. Um, and it's not to say that my wife is my accountability partner. It's just saying that sin grows in isolation. You know, 
But I had to be taught that by another man. Like, look, this is these are things you can do to make sure that that lust of the flesh, that covetousness does not get out of hand. But a lot of guys don't have that. They're just told, well, just get married and that'll take care of all your sexual desires. You know, Paul says better to get married than burn with with passion. And each man should get him a, a wife for that reason. But that's not, you know. Paul was living when women were wearing, you know, lots of clothing for the most part, unless maybe they were like a temple prostitute or something. But, you know, it's not, you know, first century. Mm-hmm. It's Our struggle is, is, is inflamed in different ways, and we mm-hmm. just got to be better at teaching young boys, like, look, you know, you're about to go through this stage, and you're going to realize – you're going to recognize the girls and it will control you for the rest of your life. Women in the sense of <laughs> when you hit puberty, everything you do after that is for girls. You do That's stuff true. to impress girls. I tell women this all the time. Like the only reason that men even work is because they know that if they don't work, they don't get good women. <laughs> like, like if a man could get a good woman by doing nothing, he would, you know, but women are not attracted to lazy men most of the time. It's like everything we do is geared toward impressing a woman, getting a woman, uh, looking a certain way in front of a woman. That's so why we do all kind of stupid stuff and injure ourselves. And <laughs> like it controls us in a way that women don't deal with that. Um, a girl might want to be noticed by a boy, but it's it's different. And I don't think she understands the difference because I don't think any, any man has really sat down and told her that it's a, it's a, there's a difference. The, the ugly truth, it may be, and I could be wrong. I could be very narrow-minded. Um, it could be anecdotal. Maybe I'm just airing out my own uh, uh, dirty laundry as far as how I view sexual sin. But you've got to start early, and you got to, and you got to be honest. Hmm. And we're just not honest. Not know? honest enough. Yeah, I was in the grocery store. I'm talking a lot this episode. I feel like David. But uh, <laughs> I was in the grocery store a couple of weeks thing. ago. And I pu- and I pull up and this and this other lady pulls up at the same time. We go in the store together. And this lady is Did you take her parking spot? No. No, we actually were parking right up right in front of each other. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and I did not t- and the thing is as, as beautiful as she was, I I would have moved my car so she could park there because pretty women get better, get treated better than ugly women. It's a fact of life. It matters. You know, and Emmanuel is here. Um, But anyway, so this, this on a scale of one to 10, and I know it's not polite to rate women, but she was probably an 11. She was perfection. And, she goes into into the grocery store, and she and I told my wife, I said, but I said, babe, there was a lady at the grocery store who caused havoc. Like she walks in, nobody got anything done. <laughs> Men were peeking around corners. They were renovating the store, and so there was construction crew there. All construction stopped. Cashiers left their registers. Women. We're staring at this woman, and she wasn't dressed provocatively or anything like that. It was, women were like, "Oh my goodness!" Like, you know, and like who? Somebody built this woman in a laboratory or something, and she caused havoc. Nobody. I mean, you see, you saw guys literally like 
going up and down aisles acting like they were needing something on that aisle. I, there's probably guys who bought like, you know, 40 boxes of, you know, I don't know, coffee, filter. quinoa or something, something they know they don't even like to eat. You know, <laughs> they were probably just like, yeah, I need all this Nutella right now. <laughs> just, I mean, she caused havoc. And I told my wife, I said, I wish I said, if I had a daughter, I would have wanted her to be there that night so I can show her that is the power of a woman. Uh-huh. You know, and you guys say, well, I'm done shopping, but I'm not leaving till she leaves. <laughs> you know, that she caused havoc in their store and she wasn't trying to. She was just buying groceries. Yeah. And I wish I had a, that would have been a great teachable moment for my daughter if she was with me. Like, see that? You know, that's that's how a man react to beauty. We don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, um, all that to say, I appreciated the article. I did quibble at first with with some parts of it, but then I had to step back and say, I, you know, she was writing it from a good place. It affected me uh, deeply because um, I, I struggle with lust as any man does, and you know, um, and so I thought it was. I thought it needed to be said. Um, It'd probably be shared a lot. Let's check the shares on this thing. They have a counter. I think it's gone slightly viral. 39,000 shares on Facebook. That's pretty good. Her article? Yeah. Yeah. 39,000 is pretty good for something that just came out. All right. Well, that, that was that was a weighty take, Emmanuel. Good job there. What what What's your take, Nick? How does this article strike you? Um angry um when when you got to the line about um uh i've encouraged this and i've encouraged that and i've encouraged this and i've encouraged that it sounds like she's just mad that she has to keep doing it um i don't think it's that simple but it just that's what stuck out to me um but it, it it is it goes back to that um, it's what Emmanuel said. The illustration he had is about the, the lady at the grocery store. It is different for us when it ha- comes to sex. Married, unmarried, um, the act, um, what, how we how we think about it, frequency we think about it, what we are looking for out of it, what is good and bad from it is just different down the line between men and women and and for for her to have this kind of plea to me is a guilt trip is well you guys are just going to be insatiable um (laughs) sex fiends anyway it doesn't matter what we do so you know that's just going to be what it is and i just i'm tired of it so i'm going to feel better about it um that's how it just that's how it struck me and I don't want to be that cynical um because I think there is a I think there is a heart cry there mm-hmm. bec- from the women uh who she's counseled that are hurt mm-hmm. but when when you take the when you stop realizing the type of hold this has on men and, and you stop realizing it as a sin issue. It gets very complicated, um, and it just it seems to address it as something we can just manage. 
if you work harder, if you try harder. Um, and it's and it seems like she thinks it's a sex issue. That's that's what she's like. You know, I've tried to explain women how their husbands think about sex. You know, you don't know how your husband thinks about sex. Your husband doesn't want it; he wants you. He does. Your husbands do want their wives, but we want a lot of other women too. If we're going to be being honest, we might not want to marry them, but we want a lot of other women sexually, and that's the root of it. But I mean to cut you off, but I'm agreeing with you. No, I mean, and that's and that's it. So, yes, her plea is is that um that re- that sentiment is is an act, you know. I understand where the sentiment is coming from. Yes, I mean, um, I don't. I think it's it's a fatigue, and I think that is something that is reasonable for men to understand too. Is that women can't keep up with our sex drive, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I, we are to love our wives self sacrificially. Um, and I'm speaking to, to married men, obviously now. Um, when I when I kind of say some of this, but you know, part of this is understanding your sex drive, and and, and part of it's understanding your your wife's sex drive versus um, <sighs> what makes her willing. Mm. And and you know the the you said it great when you said the word it's fine, um, Paul. So here's 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 where I'm gonna have to edit myself. But Paul Paul tells couples not to not to restrict, um, them, not to keep themselves from one another, mm-hmm. um, to keep this very thing from growing. But guys, um, if if you can come to your wife and say, "Honey, it's been one of those days. We need some time before we go to bed." Don't be. A moron if she says okay but we need to get to it and go to bed mm-hmm. don't get mad if she's not going to remake a porno with you mm-hmm. i'm just saying and don't get mad when your wife wants to sit and talk with you the next night and and have time with you because what they need and what we need are different mm-hmm. and and so that is something i think is that i think a guy has to say that to dudes not another not a woman yeah um but I think it, it's what you said. I wish I wish women could be a guy for an hour. It wouldn't even take a day, dude. How many? How often can you go through a day without going? Hey, okay, you know, and and you do you you try to bring your your mind and, and yeah. things back into submission, but it's a whole day of averting your eyes. It, it doesn't work. I mean, you know, and so um, I think there is just I think it's a lot of exasperation, just fatigue. Um, but I think that can be informative to men of the women in our lives get tired of it too. Um, the thing I would say is guys, and this is, and I'm not saying you change your strategy here, um, but not every woman can be your sexual accountability yeah. partner. Um, you know, just because, and this is something most, I read. Most people actually argue against, you know, like, why it's being your sexual. Well, I read, I read a um, a book, and you know, you're going to say pants, but it's called "Date Your Wife." Um, Justin Buzzard wrote it, and it's it's a pretty it's it's a pretty good read for a, a general idea. But they talk about he travels a lot, and they kind of open up about their sex life to a degree in terms of uh, frequency and and how. Their their her plan for him to help him 
not get mired in sexual temptation. And she is quick to say that men do not read this book and take this book to your wife and say, see, this is what you're supposed to do. Because it doesn't work that way because you don't know what my husband does for me. Yeah. And um, the, the point of that being just because Emmanuel can have those conversations with his wife, know your spouse because that's not – Everyone. Yeah, my wife was an outlier. It, it, but you, you need to have another man in your life who you who you can call up and say, the grocery store was tough today, dude, and it's going to set – and know your patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, now I've gone – I've stopped responding to her article. But, yeah, um, but, but, but that's – you know, you're on, you're on to something. But, you know, you'd, the pressure our, our sexual appetites puts on – our spouses is is a difficult one, um, and I think that's you know again I understand Paul's um, command to um, not withhold for this very reason, but at the same time, men, you know, another letter of Paul um, Ephesians five is points Sacrifice. us to a self sacrificial love, and and some in this in this realm self sacrifice might mean self discipline. Denying yourself for your wife's good. I tell guys all the time when they're, you know, especially like let's say it's a guy who's who's not a virgin, but he's getting ready to get married, Mm -hmm. and so he's thinking because you know if anybody who's out there who wasn't a virgin when they got married, they know that when they were when you were fornicating, you had a lot of sex. And I say, look, when you when you get married, just just know it's not going to be like that most of the time. Your wife is not the same as, you know, the floozy you dated in college or your girlfriend in high school. Like, it's not happening like that. And they're like, what? You know, but I thought, you know, the marriage, the marriage bed and, you know, the sex is supposed <laughs> to be like, dude, it's not the same. It's just not. You know, I was like, I've been married and my wife is a very, you know, she's very good in that area. She's very willing. She'll ask me. She asked me the other day. Uh, my wife is, is, uh, uh, pregnant right now, and I guess it's not a big secret, but um, and so, so she don't get yourself in trouble, by the way. Well, she's, I mean, if, if people saw her, they'd know anyway, so it's not, it's beyond hiding, but and so, you know, she's just, you know, she's pregnant, so she'll ask me, like, are you okay? Are you good? You know, in that area, or you, you know, and and luckily for me, I've been so busy, I hadn't really needed sex because I've just been just swamped with stuff, and when I get busy i just i don't eat i don't need sex but anyway but she's very good in checking in on me like so she's not like other other women she's she's i don't know she's and she's okay with me being attracted to other women i don't have to act like i don't think other women are attractive you know and so i can come home and tell her like there was a girl in you know in in the grocery store that caused havoc and, you know, and I and she she said you didn't take a picture. I want I want to see what she looks like. And I was like, no, I didn't take a picture because I thought it'd be disrespectful, you know. But if I'd known you wanted a picture, I would have took you took one. <laughs> but um, don't try that at home. <laughs> but part of that is because I was honest with her from the beginning. It's like, look, I'm a man. I have these issues. Um, and she she didn't expect me to not be a sexual creature. I guess is the point. Um, she didn't expect me to only see her as the only attractive woman on the planet. Hmm. You know, she knows that other women are attractive and vice versa, you know? Um, so I, I agree with you, Nick. Awesome. I love it when Emmanuel agrees with me. Chase? 
All right, guys. I think it's time to wrap this up. Let me let me throw out my final bit of commentary, and we'll we'll land the plane. Um, I very much appreciate what Eileen wrote. I agree with it uh, largely and, and really almost completely. I think it's a much needed exhortation uh, that men need to hear. Uh, here's the one issue I have, and. Uh, it is not necessary. It's not with what she wrote. It is actually that it, there is a sense that it needs to be balanced. It is a wife exhorting Christian men, and if that is fair, it is probably fair for a husband to exhort Christian women. And I would not presume to take that place uh, because. Um, uh, we talked about hypocrisy the last episode. I've had a, I had a years long, many years, over a decade long battle with pornography, uh, where I gave into it at times, was free from it at times, but it was an ongoing sort of sinful life that I led that I am not proud of. So me exhorting sexual holiness, there's some level. Um, that I have to do that, very aware of my past, um, and that I'm a sinner in this area. But it, were I given the opportunity to exhort Christian women, I would exhort them to, I don't think it's fair to exhort a woman to understand their husband fully because it's not going to be possible. I realize in reality that it is not possible for a woman on average to keep up with a husband's sex drive because on average, there are exceptions, the the male sex drive will be stronger and desire it more frequently. At the same time, as as one who has counseled many people in marriages, many men, many women, many people seeking divorce, that sort of thing, one of the refrains I've heard frequently from men is that their wives just get to a place where they're not very interested in sex. And I would say to you, dear Christian wife, that there are two ways to be unfaithful in a marriage. The first and primary and indeed most sinful way is adultery. The second way to be unfaithful in a marriage is to withdraw yourself from sex with your spouse. Now, you might quibble and argue with me for using the word unfaithful there, and you might be right but there is a sense in which a spouse who withholds sex from their spouse is not being faithful to the marriage. Hmm. And, and again, that's, those are strong words. I'm not saying, I'm not using the word adultery. I'm saying just as it is a command for uh, us to be sexually pure, there is a command for. Uh, wives and husbands to fulfill their marital responsibilities. In fact, I'll read that passage. 1 Corinthians 7, the one you alluded to earlier, Nick. Um, Paul writes, verse 1, It is good for a man not to have relations with a woman, but because sexual immorality is so common, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. A husband should fulfill his marital responsibility to his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. A wife does not have the right over her own body, but her husband does. In the same way, a husband does not have the right over his own body, but his wife does. Do not deprive one another sexually. 
except when you agree for a time to devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again. Otherwise, Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Nick, I appreciated what you said, that that, uh, men have to love their wives self-sacrificially, according to Ephesians. But I will say this. It is not godly advice to say to a man that he needs to sublimate his sexual temptations when his wife won't have sex with him. Because the fact of the matter is, in an ongoing way, there is not supposed to be a situation in marriage where a spouse is not having sex with his spouse. Now, if a man wants to have sex seven times a week, is that is that? I see your face. You're puzzled by what I'm saying. No, no, I, I'm I'm trying to pull up the word sublimate in my mental dictionary. <laughs> Let me make sure I'm saying this right. If one spouse is refusing in an ongoing sort of way to have sex with the other spouse. The counsel to that marriage is not refrain from temptation. The counsel from that for that marriage is have sex. That's what the Bible says. Oh, look, I, I wasn't trying to. I wasn't disagreeing. Okay, with you okay, at all. yeah. That, You're if, right if, in what you said. If if that came across that I was telling a man to to suffer through if his wife will not. Period. That wasn't my thing. Mine was be mindful of. Your sex drive and your wife's schedule, dude. That's completely agree with that. Okay, cool. But I would say, on the flip side, wives, be mindful of your husband's sex drive. And and, and indeed, I think both husband and wife should be mindful of each other in a harmonious sort of way where everybody's sexual needs are met. Because, wife, you don't have the right over your body. Your husband does. Unless you think I'm sexist, husband, you don't have the right over your own body. Your wife does. Do not deprive each other sexually, yep. says the Apostle Paul. Yeah, look, yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a very deep discussion. I thought that was going to be a little bit of a um, few headlines here and a few bylines there, but that was a good discussion, guys. Um I'll just kind of say that um, we talk very frankly on this show because um, life is life and these issues are real. Um, There's times we're very silly on purpose. Then sometimes we're silly out of awkwardness. Um, This is a very serious topic, and I hope um, our understanding of that and and respect for the topic um, has come through. Um, I'll also say that you know, communication does a world of good, um, but communication doesn't mean um, getting your point across. It means uh-huh. it means both sides talking about things, um, and so, um, especially to the brothers and sisters who are in faith, um, who may be listening to this, um, do not lose heart. Um, but if if there you feel is an issue. Um, so um, deep or grievous that you you don't see the solution to it. Don't neglect the the family of faith around you because I guarantee you you're not the only couple that you know that struggle with this at times. Um, I don't care how good your friends make their sex life out to be. Um, you're not the only couple that struggles with this. You're not the only people. Um, Wife, you're not the only person who feels like she doesn't have any time and then is pressured from a husband who doesn't show her 
um, the affection she needs. Man, you are not the only man in the world who doesn't feel like his wife has sex with him enough, despite how hard you work for your family. Um, We are different creatures. God made us that way for a reason, Um, but we are different creatures. And don't neglect the community of faith you have around you that will – I know there is someone in your community of faith that will walk this out with you. So don't neglect that in this as well. Um, That's not – me trying to give anybody a free pass to go to men or women's Bible study and air your spouse's, um, your grievances towards your spouse in an open setting. I'm talking couple to couple with a trusted family that you can be open with, uh, much like a, a one-on-one type of confession, um, a trusted couple to trusted couple type of scenario. So anyway, I digress. Good word. Good word. All right, Chase, before I talk some more, get us out of here. Okay, I'll close this, how about, with a Paul Washer quote. And, and he, Paul Washer says, When people tell me, judge not, lest ye be judged, I always tell them, twist not Scripture, lest ye be like Satan. Amen. All right. That's strong, Brother Paul. Yes. All right, Paul Washer's always good for um, a heavy quote. Um, that's it for tonight. I realized um, on the last episode we didn't really tell you how to find us, but you're listening to our podcast, so you probably know how to find us. But just in case, um, there's a couple of ways. We have the website, thegospelfriends.com, where this and all our past episodes will be. Um, we are all over social media, at my gospel friends on Twitter. Um, we've got a Facebook group, which you can find from hallofdogma.com. Uh, we've got voicemail, uh, email, speak pipe, all those things. You can find those on the website. So uh, if you want to respond to, to this or any of the other shows, please hit us up. We love we love having discussions with you guys, um, and we love watching the discussions that happen in the hall. Um, and if you are wrong um, or he just wants to pick on you, Emmanuel will be happy to let you know it. Um, I don't know who to ask to tune in, so just tune in next week when you may hear somebody say, <laughs> <laughs> That's actually probably a good bet. All right. <laughs> Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine.